Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Okay, welcome to Cop On Podcast. Um, it's nearly the end of the season. Liverpool have um, uh, four games left, three of them away from home in six days. Uh, but we're over the first hurdle, and I'm very, very delighted to be joined by um, by Liam, who's 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 a sports writer, writes. Uh, on lots of football matches, the German league, the French league especially. He's got a podcast all about Lyon that everybody should check out. Uh, but Doug is also with us. Doug from the Dugout Football Channel on YouTube. Loads of exciting stuff coming up on there uh, soon. So do subscribe uh, to the Dugout, D-O-U-G, of course. Uh, and Abdul, I'm delighted that Abdul is also back. Um, with us, um, absolute joy. And I'm going to start with you, Abdul. Um, welcome back to Cop on Podcast. Liverpool are over the first hurdle. We have to win all five matches. And if we win all five matches, I think we've done it. Uh, we've qualified for the Champions League next year. How does it feel to be talking about a Liverpool win? Amazing. Thank you very much for uh, having me back. Um, I'm glad to be back. And... Uh... Yeah, um, I was thinking about it just before I hopped on. I, you know, feel really excited for the United match on Thursday, like real nerves, like it's a big Champions League match. Um, so, yeah, to be fair, I would much rather feel these nerves than not be feeling any kind of nerves. And um, like you said, if we do win all of our matches, it gives us, I think, a great chance, especially if Everton hold on to this result with West Ham. But, yeah, I... I don't really want to think ahead. I mean, it could go, it could turn into a nightmare as well. Um, it is all dependent on what happens to Leicester because I really don't see Chelsea cooling off. Um, but yeah, very, very good times to be a Liverpool fan in comparison to the last couple of months anyways. Well, it is. I mean, three three wins and two draws, unbeaten in the last five, Doug. Uh, these are, this is a recovery of sorts. I mean, we're down to our centre-back pairing of, of, of Phillips and Williams, Reese Williams. Uh, it's nice to see that we've got two injuries having not had a match and that Kabak and Milner, the latest to, I don't know, have a bad bowler, Muesli or something, whatever, kept them out of the match against Southampton, but uh, it, it does feel nice. And it, I don't know, I just wonder how you, how you felt about the win. Was it more relief? Uh, did it add to the hope that uh, we can get these five wins in a row? Um, it, do, you know, do, you know the, do you know what the funny thing was? Like I said, I said on, I think I said to um, my, fr- uh, my, my good, good Southampton mate, uh, Dan Hargreaves, he, 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 like he actually said he was confident in getting something. And, I I literally uttered the words that I I was confident in getting the win. Um, Southampton were missing Danny Young, so you know obviously they were missing the the firepower, um, uh, for sure. But I, I I didn't really think we were any trouble whatsoever yesterday. Um, I mean yes, I think they you know they had a couple of half chances, but you know I can't really remember, um, you know. I think Allison made a couple of very, very good saves. Um, for I think think the one from um, Che Adams where um, you know they got behind our our back line, um, and you know Allison spread his, uh, spread himself out very well. And I actually thought Allison was um, was very good yesterday um, as well. It's nice to see Mane back on the score sheet. Um, you know everyone everyone says that you know Mane's not had the best of seasons, and you know this uh, this narrative of Salah doesn't pass to Manny or Manny doesn't pass to Salah. I think that was um, Liber- um, Salah's 12th goal uh, in assisting Manny. I think that's more than anybody in the Liverpool squad. So, you know, that narrative of, uh, you know, Manny not passing to... Sorry, Salah passing, not, mas- not passing to uh, Manny is a bit of a myth now. Um, and it's been great to see Thiago get a goal. Um, you know, he's been slated left, right and centre on football Twitter, but that's football Twitter for you. Um, but no, I'm, I was very, very happy with a 2-0 win. And it, and actually, it's really nice to have a 2-0 win because I can't remember the last time we had a 2-0 win, and especially at Anfield. 
It was heartwarming stuff, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, interesting, the criticism Tiago came from uh, Phil McNulty, the senior sports writer at the BBC, um, who criticised him for not for not scoring or making assists enough. Uh, my response uh, remains the same, that uh, Pablo Picasso apparently was an awful golfer, uh, and uh, so we could, we could criticise Picasso's golf game. Um, Liam, uh, for you... I don't know. The, the last time Liverpool got five wins in a row was in November. The last time we went on any kind of run was uh, very recently when we got three wins in a row against uh, uh, Arsenal, Wolves and Villa. Um, Liam, do you think we can do it? I mean, considering our recent form, obviously the results against Leeds and Newcastle may put in on our recent form, but we've taken more points in our last six games than both Man City and Chelsea have just reached a Champions League final. So if now's the time for us to be hitting form, which it looks like we are doing, taking more points on the two, I don't know, in air quotations, form teams in the league, uh, we've done that. So I think if you're, if you're looking at the chances, it's definitely possible. We know how good we can be and again I think we saw that again against Southampton we weren't we weren't perfect there were times where it looked a little bit shaky but as the other guys have said it's good to see Mane getting back on the score sheet Thiago finally has that elusive goal but again people criticizing him are just I think over eager to find something wrong with him he's not he's never been a goal scoring midfielder really at Barcelona or Bayern Munich so Again, that's a myth that he needs to be scoring goals. But as I say, if you get those key players like Thiago, Mane, hitting form, hopefully we can see players from the bench making impacts as well. I'd like to see more of Shakiri and those sorts of players from the bench making impacts. Obviously, you're going to have one of Jota, Salah, Mane or Firmino on the bench, which is a another excellent headache to have. So... There's no reason why we can't do it. It's just it's just about getting into a good run of form and starting with a win against Southampton was the perfect way to do it. It was cracking. It was cracking. Um, let's start with Thiago because he he got that uh, that lovely um, Brazilian Ronaldo esque finished uh, low and hard to the corner. Absolutely superb. He was delighted. He looked very small against uh in that photo with uh, surrounded by uh reese williams and uh, nat phillips and bobby firmino but uh he, he he had a big performance abdul i don't know i don't know what you think about tiago and how he played yesterday the the doubts remain about when he has to run backwards and track back but with the ball there was uh you know there was one moment where um you know he does all of these these passes where He's looking the other way, and it's not what the defenders expect. And there was one, one in the second half, I remember, Abdul, when, when Sadio Mane was asking for the ball, and it would have been a vertical pass. And um, Thiago sort of took another touch and uh, looked left and looked right. And then when he was looking right, he actually played this pass pass vertically through two Southampton defenders beautifully to, to, to Sadio Mane despite looking the other way and even Sadio looked a bit surprised to receive it um, with the ball he's an absolute wizard isn't he Tiago? and I just wonder if you know I mean given the uh, the criticism he's had regarding his uh, his uh, you know goals and assists that we can just discount, but um, you know criticism regarding his defensive game and other parts of his game. Um, would you basically build a midfield around Thiago for next season, Abdul, with with two really you know energetic ball winning midfielders there to mop up to save him? having to turn around. What do you think the future is for Thiago in our team, Abdul? Well, uh, great description of, of Thiago. Um, what I, when I think about Thiago, the first thing that comes to mind is um, Pepin Linder's uh, almost trademark quote, which is, uh, that's football. Because uh, he is, he's pure football. He just, he plays football. Uh, like the way you, the way you, uh, dream about playing football as a kid um he's got the touch he's got the guile um mentally though like that's what that's the strength of his game like mentally 
he can see the spaces and he does things on the ball which kind of uh, efficiently use space and time and it gives your team more time. When he plays that ball through to Mane, like you're saying, it cuts out like three lines of defence, you know, gets the ball to Mane, the right pace that he can make a decision and take a touch and immediately try and attack space, which just, it adds up all of these extra benefits and then we can add up all of that added space and time and hopefully it leads to a goal. A midfielder like him, it's, he's worth his weight in gold and I think the best thing about him is you can get a player like that who is like really young um which I think Bayern replaced him with like a player called Thiago Dantas where they play really you know silky really uh efficient football um but then they don't have the experience to know when to do the right thing or maybe to just play it really simple and you know just make the pass Thiago we've signed him at, at, at a point in his career where he has all the experience, he has all of the know-how, but obviously he still had he he had to adapt to the Premier League and he had to adapt especially to our team and the way that we play football. And the other players had to adapt to him as well. And I still don't think that's complete yet. But I think in the last five, six, since we came back from the last international break, basically, I think he's really started to show what he's about. He's had a lot more consistency in terms of injuries. He, he's been in the team more. He hasn't had to be in and out. There's a few weird decisions with Klopp dropping him against Madrid, for example. But in general, I think we're finally starting to see the Thiago that we signed. And going forward from next season, when we have our main centre-back pairings back, when we have that stability that Klopp talks about, when we get him next to Hendo and Fabinho, and I think that, that answers your question. If you get him next to Hendo and Fabinho and you give him the space to just do what he does while they can, you know, mop up and keep the structure, I think we'll really, really start to see the benefit of having Thiago in our team. Because the reason he was signed at the beginning was because our coaching staff identified that when it comes to really creating in midfield, um, we're kind of lacking. And that doesn't just mean, oh, we need somebody to get goals and assists like Bruno Fernandes, but... In terms of the build-up play from deep, we're a bit too reliant on just getting the ball to Trent and Robbo and just whipping in crosses. So Thiago is going to be that player who can, you know, open up midfields. And yeah, I just can't wait to see what we can do with him um, going forward. But also, um, not just Thiago, all of our other midfield options as well. I think Oxlade-Chamberlain, I think he's a scary talent if we can give him the chance to really push forward. Naby Keita's got his own fan club at the club and it does seem like his days are numbered, but... He's also very scary if he gets into form. So Curtis Jones as well, got to give him an honourable mention. I think times are exciting for our midfield and to wrap it up, I think Thiago is going to be an integral part of that. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. I've got some really interesting stats uh, in front of me about Thiago. Um, and for comparison, I will actually use uh, Bruno Fernandes, who you mentioned there, Abdul, um, because uh, Bruno Fernandes has had all manner of praise, you know, the the penalty uh, king. Um, I do think he's a bit overrated, to be honest, but uh, FB ref stats I've got in front of me, um, passes, in terms of passing, right, progressive passes, which uh, the stats bomb uh, people define as, or the FB ref people define as completed passes that move the ball towards the opponent's goal at least 10 yards uh, or any completed pass into the penalty area and it excludes passes from the defending 40% of the pitch. So basically progressive passes, they move at least 10 yards towards the goal. Um, some of them go into the penalty area as well. Uh, Bruno Fernandes is on 6.76 progressive passes uh, per 90, which puts, puts him in the 98th percentile uh, among Europe's top five leagues. Um, Thiago Alcantara has 8.97. It's basically the best in Europe for progressive passes that are 10 yards or more towards the opposition's goal. Um, so Thiago Alcantara, 8.97, and Bruno Fernandes, only 6.76. And another passing stat, which is basically the same thing, but um, moving towards the opponent's goal at least five yards... They call it progressive carries. And Thiago Alcantara is 7.08 progressive carries per 90, whereas Bruno Fernandes is 6.82. So 
In both of those key, key passing stats, Thiago is better. He also has a pass completion rate for the whole season of 89.6%. Bruno Fernandes has 73.5%. And you can say what you like about Bruno taking riskier passes, much like Trent does for us, much like uh, Kevin De Bruyne does for Manchester City. But the fact remains that Thiago is uh, still making very dangerous passes and keeping the ball at the same time. Uh, so it's absolutely phenomenal, really. But a myth before I ask you, Doug, about uh, about Thiago and what you made of his performance in general yesterday. A great myth is that he's not good at tackling because, yes, he does receive a lot of yellow cards, but he is also in the 93rd percentile of all midfielders across Europe's top five leagues with 335 successful tackles per match and he's in the 82nd percentile with 1.59 interceptions per match so his tackling is excellent his interceptions are very good and uh, Doug I want to bring on next season because I really want to see that midfield of Fabinho Henderson and Thiago what did you make of Thiago yesterday yeah, I thought I thought you I thought you hit, hit the nail on the head. I mean, obviously, uh, Phil McNulty uh, obviously um, doesn't see what what we were seeing in uh, Thiago. But to be honest, I thought Thiago was very very good yesterday. Um, couple of passes that were off off sort of you know there were a couple of passes that he that were were off from him. But the one thing you can say he's a wonderful passer. Um, we've been crying out for a midfielder like that in our midfield for absolute ages. And I think the way that um, the way that he actually played yesterday, and that that pass you you talked about, the one where basically he got he got it through two Southampton midfielders, I thought it was, I thought it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic. But but I, I thought he was really really good, and you know it epitomizes the fact that you obviously got a goal um, as well. I've I've been very very impressed with him, and I think yeah, bring on next season because. You know, once you get a midfielder, Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson, I think we'll be a much, much better team. And I think we'll probably get more results um, as well. I also think the fact that, that people have been slating uh, Thiago is, I think, because we haven't had a settled back four, I think once you have a settled back four, I think you will see the Thiago that you saw at Bayern Munich, that you saw at Barcelona. Um, yes, he's not all about goals. You know, he's all about, you know, assists and and all this i think i think he's going to be a fantastic uh, fantastic player and uh, fingers crossed he can stay fit as well great stuff great stuff um liam i want to talk move on to talk about the other goal scorer sadio mani it was absolutely heartwarming to see sadio get on the score sheet yesterday he's been struggling um he's minus 6.9 on his xg for the season according to understat whereas in the previous season he was plus around 5.5 or 6 goals for the last uh, two or three seasons so he's normally way overperforming in terms of shooting this season he's completely underperforming but again going to fbref.com you can see that uh, Sadio Mane is very dangerous. His his NPXG, his non-penalty expected goals, is in the 94th percentile across Europe. Um, his touches in the attacking penalty box is 98th percentile. His progressive passes uh, is in the 99th percentile, one of the best in Europe. But uh, it's just his finishing. Um, did Were there signs... Uh, yesterday, Liam, that uh, that we've got nothing to worry about uh, in terms of Sadio Mane because uh, he said on Canal Plus uh, that uh, he, he knows he's had the worst season of his life. But um, are you are you happy with uh, Sadio and, and and happy to keep him for next season, or would you like us to, you know, maybe cash in on him? What do you think about it, Liam? Um. I'm of the impression that we don't really need to worry about Mane. I think people saying that, oh, he's having a bad season, let's sell him while we can, let's try sign Mbappe or Haaland uh, and living on a different planet because I don't think those sorts of signings are going to be available. And we know that Mane is a potent goal scorer. As you say, he's underperforming XG this season and 
his finishing hasn't been at his best. That's obviously shown in his underlying XG numbers. But based on the fact we haven't been creating as many chances this year, I think that is a pointer when you look at the way we play is built up based on coming from the centre-backs into wide areas, getting balls into the box. There's been a lot more defensive emphasis on Robertson and Arnold's roles this year. So I think there's a bit of a, a team aspect of why he's not been scoring as many. But to go back to him as a player, I think he's been a lot more effective on the ball this year in terms of, as you say, progressing the ball forwards. I think he's looked a bit better at beating a man and I think he's won a lot of fouls this year as well. I think he's in the top five for fouls, won in the Premier League as well and obviously people say, oh, what, you're condemning cheating. I think that's what um, Graham Sooner said about Jack Grealish, but even still fouls provide set pieces and set pieces as a chance to create opportunities. So there's parts of his game that are extremely important for the team and based on the fact that I don't think we're going to be able to get a replacement for Mane, I wouldn't love to sell him. I think he's still one of the best wingers in the world and what he's I think I don't think he's I think he is in double figure goals and it's one of his worst seasons ever. I think you'd do well to find wingers and forwards who score double figure goals in the worst season ever across all competitions that is but even still it shows the sort of talent that Mane is where we're we're moaning that he's not scoring enough despite the fact he's got into double figures this season. So he's still an excellent player and he'll he'll surely come back to good, but that goal could do him the world of good and we'll definitely need him if we're going to get the points that we need to get into Champions League for next season. That's very, very well said indeed. Yeah, I totally agree. I would stick by Sadio. Um, he's actually got 12 goals in all competitions uh, in the Premier League alone, uh, nine goals and five assists in 31 games. And I've heard a lot of people um, talk talk up uh, Pedro Neto, um, even on this podcast. People say, no, and he's a wonderful player, wonderful prospect for the future. And I don't doubt that he is. But Pedro Neto has played the same amount of matches, 31 in the Premier League. He's only got five goals and six assists. Whereas Sadio, nine goals and five assists. And if you add on top what he should have scored, which is another, as I said before, six goals, he should be on about 15 goals. Sadio Mane, which could have been the difference between us and top four, you know, like to be comfortably in the top four. But I I, I put no blame on Sadio's shoulders. I think he's tried his best. As you say, there are some areas of his game that have actually improved. And I have no doubt that he can come back next season uh, and, uh, you know, and kick ass again. Uh, Abdul, speaking of kicking ass, um, Alison Becker. I mean, there was that one moment that that sullied the, the performance a bit at 1-0 where he sort of passed the ball to a Southampton player and almost we all, and perhaps they should have scored. Uh, and then maybe our conversation would have been a bit different. But the saves he made, six in one game, apparently it's the most he's ever made for us, uh, I, I read. And uh, Alison Becker was one of the one of the men of the match, Abdul. He was, uh, he was terrific in general, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, it's so weird. Like uh, Liverpool goalkeepers, or just maybe, not even just Liverpool goalkeepers, but I feel like modern goalkeepers in general... I feel like in the past, there used to be like solid keepers who never made a mistake and also just made great saves. And we just used to think they're solid keepers. They're great. Like um, an Edwin van der Sar. But um, nowadays, you have Alisson, who's undoubtedly a great goalkeeper, you know, still Brazil number one. But he'll, he'll, he'll also make a mistake. And you, you know that he's got a mistake in him. But, you know, he saved us. So we don't even want to think too much about the mistakes. But you could actually make a highlight reel of, you know, little Allison mistakes, which have made your heart jump. Um, but yeah, what, what a performance from him. Um, there's literally, since he's joined the club, like, there isn't actually anything you can really say about him. Like, it's just like, we now have a keeper. We now have a, a, a proper keeper. And I remember the day he signed. Um, the signing kind of came out of nowhere for me as well, because I was thinking, oh, we're not, we're not going to have the money to sign him. Then da, 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 we suddenly found the money and then he signed and saw it on the Liverpool website. I didn't even see any rumours really. And I just remember 
turning around and hugging one of my mates who was a Liverpool fan. I was, I was living with him. He's like my housemate. And we just come home from work, both in our suits, just kind of hugged him, just like, this is it. This is it. We can finally challenge for a title. We have a keeper. We have a keeper. So, um, yeah, just I've loved Alisson every single minute he's been here, despite the mistakes. Um, he's up, He's been through a really tough time this season as well, obviously, with stuff outside of football. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like it's actually phased him at all. Um, the one thing I was would say, um, he doesn't really... Like, when we have had, like, little moments in the matches where we've looked, like, a bit defensively frail or anything, you would expect a keeper to just be bellowing at his defence, like, shouting at them within an inch of their life, you know. But he's... I I feel like since his, you know, situation at home happened, I feel like he's been a lot more reserved. Um, and even with his own mistakes, just kind of got on with it rather than focus on that moment I don't know if that's a good thing or if it's maybe a sign of something even sadly deeper than that but I'm just glad that he's still here and still giving us really good performances and long may it continue well yes indeed I, th- I think he, 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 he got his hair cut and he's he's been more dependable since he got his hair cut that uh, you know dodgy pass um, withstanding um, but yeah Alison Beck I mean his, some of his saves the way he came out for the first goal and then sort of he rushed out and then he sort of stopped to because he was in the right place to just you know to, when he stopped uh, Che Adams as Doug was saying earlier when Che Adams was through and he uh, you know it was just a, an excellent save the way he outwitted Che because uh, Che Adams could have uh, you know I mean the goalkeeper rushing out like that you assume they're going to go down and so you just chip dink it over them but Allison didn't he stopped he stayed up and consequently the ball just hit him. Uh, brilliant goalkeeping. Um, uh, Nat Phillips, our, our, our weekly Nat Phillips conversation. Uh, Doug, it's with you this week. Uh, Nat Phillips, um, yesterday he uh, made five clearances, as most in the team. Uh, one interception. Um, but his passing has improved since he came into the team when he started he was at a sort of 75-80% passing accuracy, which is not good for a defender, for a central defender, because you want them basically to never lose the ball if possible. But his passing is now up to 90% passing accuracy. Um, there were a few crucial interventions that he made uh, yesterday as well. Yesterday's we're recording this against Southampton. And uh, Doug, he surely, surely uh, deserves more time in our squads, you know, to, to stay at least for next season. And uh, when I see him on the team sheet now, I'm not, uh, I'm not really worried. I mean, he's not, he's not, you know, his limitations are playing a high line because he, he just lacks speed and there's not much you can do about that. But apart from the lack of speed, Doug, he's got all the qualities you need in a defender, doesn't he? I think he's been our most consistent defender this season. I've said, I said I said last night um, on the uh, copy um, space like as as a wee as a wee chat thing that the, the Twitter have now uh, invented. So that, that was quite interesting. So, uh, but I I actually said yesterday that I think Nat Phillips has been our most consistent defender. Um, no nonsense. Um, and you actually you actually actually have to wonder now that against Leeds against Newcastle, if he had been there. There's probably six more points. You know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but I don't think Nat Phillips is losing that header that um, I think it was uh, Carroll got to uh, Willick. Um, and I don't I don't think that uh, Lorente scores a goal if Nat Phillips is there. So I think Nat Phillips has been fantastic. Whenever he's came in, he, he hasn't put a foot wrong. Um, yes, you know, you can say that yeah, he's not he's not very very quick, but his passing has improved. That is that is for sure. But I I honestly think that if we do go into the Europa League, if we do fall into the Europa League, I think Phillips um, play play him in the Europa League. Don't don't worry about Virgil. Don't worry about Gomez. I would I would play um, I would play Nat Phillips in the in the Europa League, and I think. He is he is a solid defender. He is a solid defender. Yes, he might not want to play, you know, be fifth choice uh, centre back, but he, you know, 
we, we, have, we, have to, we have to think about this. If, if we do get Kanate, if we don't get Kabak, then, you know, I think Phillips will be definitely there as a, a, a very, you know, solid um, fourth choice centre back. I've been very, very impressed with Nat Phillips this season. And I, I like you, I think I, like many people, actually want Nat Phillips to have more time in this, uh, in this squad. He has done no wrong in potentially getting a new contract. I think I think he's been that good this season. And I, I will say it again, he has been our most consistent defender this season. I totally agree. It's beautifully well said and well done. Uh, Doug, thank you very much uh, for that. Um, and indeed, for me, he, he, he was the man of the match. Uh, for his, uh, you know, the way that he stuck to his task, the way that he kept the ball well, uh, you know, the clearances, as I've mentioned, a couple of crucial interceptions and tackles. I thought he was really good. Um, uh, Liam, um, in the last four matches, okay, I, I looked into this in terms of shots that we've taken um, and how many of those shots were on target and how many goals we've scored from those shots and I want to move on to talk about the Manchester United game coming up on Thursday which is very exciting but um, looking at these stats so in the last four matches against Southampton we had 14 shots six were on target and we scored two goals it was arguably well according to the stats it was definitely our worst performance in the last four matches but we got the best result Um, so 14 shots in total, six on target and two goals against Southampton. In the match before that, we had 22 shots in total, nine on target and one goal. In the match before that, we had 17 shots in total, seven on target and one goal. And in the match before that, which was the one against Real Madrid, we had 15 shots, four on target and no goals. Now, I've been looking at Manchester United I've been looking at exactly the same stats. So we've had a total of uh, 14, 22, 17 and 15 shots in our last four matches. They've had 18, 13, 20 and 16. So we've had a lot more shots than them. What they get, of course, that we don't, is penalties. But we're going to discount that, Liam. Um, but in terms of being clinical, you see, United, they, they had 18 shots uh, today, as we're recording this, that seven were on target and they scored three goals. They had 13 shots in their previous match. Five were on target and they scored twice. Previously to that, they played Roma. They had 20 shots, 11 on target and six goals. And before that, against Leeds, they had 16 shots, four on target and no goals. And my question is... With all of that, Liam, if you could follow that, there was a lot of stats there, but a lot of shots we're talking about. But basically, United are just way more clinical than Liverpool. And apart from that, if Liverpool started to be more clinical, then we would be in a different league to Manchester United. Is that just way too simplistic? Or do you think there's a grain of truth in that, Liam? Um. I'm not too sure, obviously, this year with our forwards, clinical hasn't been the way of speaking, really. Obviously, we spoke about Mane earlier in this episode, that he's not been at the level we expect of him. Firmino's drop-off in terms of goals is there as well. Salah continues to score. Again, we, we know that we can trust in him to score, but again... Salah's not prone to criticism. He does miss chances, but I don't know the clinical aspect. I mean, looking at shots, it's. I was watching um, a documentary the other day on um, XG and um, the conversion of percentages of chance of a shot going in into the decimalisation to calculate XG numbers. And they used games of sample with of Bayern Munich in two Champions League finals where they lost the 2012 final against Chelsea and the 99 against Manchester United. And it's, you look at the chances that they got and their XG was probably in zones of 
goals going in probably 30 to 45 percent on terms of i think it was 40 percent of those shots in those games meaning their xg was greater by at least double i think in even in the chelsea game Bayern had an, an expected goals of three and chelsea had just under one but the whole thing that they talked about xg was that it comes down to luck and Maybe to say we've had bad luck this season is is a poor excuse, but when you go through the injuries and Mane's obviously not being quite at his level, Firmino's not being quite at his level, um, Jota spent a long time out, Thiago's not had the best bedding in period with injuries, Covid, the um, the aspect of the the for, the the system that was built for him to transition into was completely ruined with having two inferior centre-backs and young centre-backs playing. So, shots are important, as you say. United are clinical. Cavani's excellent. Scored the most goals from the bench in the Premier League this season. Um, Again, Rashford, a really good talent. Greenwood scored a nice goal today. Um, in the in the game against Villa, so yeah, United have got some some good attacking players. Martial not so much this season, but again, he can he can find the back of the net when you need him to. Um, Fernandez as well. Again, pe- penalties are a factor. They've had more penalties than us, and Klopp's been here a hundred more games than Solskjaer at United. Which again, let's not go into excuses too much, but it is a factor. So. I'd say, in terms of your question, are United more clinical than us this season? Obviously, that's the case, but I just think when you look at some players have probably been lacking in confidence for us this season, and by way of chances, we may create more, but even still, our clinical aspect this year of, I think, XG, we, we outperform them massively. And... I think when I looked a couple of weeks ago, RxG was greater by eight or nine. Ours was about sixty. There was somewhere near fifty. So it shows you they are more clinical and they actually probably overperform based on where we are. But again, it's football does rely on luck, and hopefully next season our luck does change and we do get a bit more clinical in front of goal. But I don't think. That will come down to the game too much, the clinical aspect. I think a game like Manchester United, they've got a, a really tight schedule as well of games. With They played Leicester midweek, Aston Villa today, then us midweek as well. So they've got a tight run coming up. So tightness could play an impact in that. But if Mane does get back into a scoring run and Salah can find his scoring boots, Jota's on a bit of a barren run in front of goal as well if he can if he can find that form we were talking about when I was last on the podcast of his incredible scoring record since he came in for us, I think we should have enough. But hopefully next season you see when the midfielders come back, the centre-backs come back, the systems creating the chances that we know it can create, that clinical aspect just does creep back in and we're not talking about luck as much as we have been this season. Yeah, marvellous answer. Yeah, I mean, that's always been the problem with with XG is that if you give Cavani a chance around about the penalty spot, he will score nine times out of ten. If you give uh, David McGoldrick, no offence, but it's true, if you give him exactly the same chance in exactly the same position, it counts for exactly the same XG in the stats. But, uh, you know, um, unfortunately, he's going to miss nine times out of ten. It's... Yeah, it's but it's a curious stat because it does tell you how 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 well you're creating things as as a team. But uh, yeah, I think uh, maybe I don't know. It, it just can it be taught or is it just a, a, an ability? Most most of the time, it seems to be an ability. Just that to be clinical, like uh, the you know our, our our god Robbie Fowler as well. Um, but yes, uh, Abdul um, uh, for. Probably for the worse in terms of my mood, um, I looked at our Premier League record against United at Old Trafford since the 20th of September 2004, so it's going back quite a way. Uh, We've played 16 Premier League matches at Old Trafford since 2004, played 16, won 
two, drawn three, and lost eleven. Now, um, you have to laugh or you're going to cry, but it does make me, uh, you know, try to be realistic about our chances on Thursday night. Um, I just, you know, as we just spoken about United are are being really clinical we've got an awful record there Um, but uh, uh, Abdul I want you to try to convince me that we actually do have a hope uh, of going to the hell of Old Trafford and uh, coming out with uh, three beautiful gorgeous points Uh, can you convince me Abdul well um, I hope so (laughs) Um, it's it's basically our Champions League final. You know, last big match of the season. Um, we need we need the win. A draw isn't good enough, I don't think. Um, and that's exactly what Jurgen has probably told the players. I'm sure he's not he's not like overemphasizing it, but I think every single one of those players in that dressing room right now knows this is the big cup final for our season. Um, and then after that, there's going to be another couple of cup finals. But this is the first really big one. If we win this, it puts the pressure right onto Leicester. And then, you know, Leicester will do what Leicester do, what what Brendan Rodgers does, which is hopefully just bottle it. Um, they've got huge matches coming up. Um, but then again, you know, I feel like... I feel for some reason like Leicester could get results in these big matches. I mean, Spurs, they got a new, new match. But it, it, it's besides the point. I'm trying to be convincing you that we're going to get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to big matches, big moments, I think it's undoubtable that Liverpool are the team in the Premier League who can perform and they bring something extra. We're pretty much injury-free. Uh, I mean, in terms of what we can be for this season. The big question is whether we're going to have Kabak back for this match. Because um, I don't know if I really trust Reese Williams. I think he did quite well the other day, but I would feel a lot safer having our regular, funny to say regular, but Phillips and Kabak back. But then if you look at the rest of our team, we've got pretty much everybody else apart from Henderson. So we can have our normal front three. Um, it's nice that Firmino got an assist the other day as well. Um but yeah, you got Yossi if you want to go with the four up front. Um, and then, yeah, you got Thiago in good form. Fabinho back in midfield in good form, I think, as well. Genie kind of in good form. Um, Trent, Robbo had a good rest and in good form as well, both of them. So yeah, on paper, Alisson as well. On paper, we can definitely do it. United have a lot of fixtures this week. Um, so maybe they'll even rotate. They need a win as well. So if they want to keep their title hopes alive, they need a win. Um, so they're not just going to try and do the normal boring nil-nil that is always, you know, you always get a nil-nil between Liverpool and United at some point in the season. But I feel like this match here on Thursday, it's uh, with all with the heightened uh, kind of drama around it as well because of the whole protest and stuff. I feel like it's going to be a different match. Liverpool are going to approach it in a different mentality because we need to win it. United are going to approach with a different mentality because they're going to be tired and then also they're going to try and prove to their friends that, you know, blah, 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 around the protests. So I feel like it's, hopefully it's going to be Eid as well, Eid Mubarak <laughs> to all the Muslims celebrating. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've got tingles about it. I've got tingles. Hopefully it's a big night. You go in some way to convince him, absolutely. And indeed, Eid Mubarak to all of our... Uh, Muslim friends out there, absolutely, for the end of Ramadan, absolutely superb. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, he's going some way to convince me, Doug. Uh, Abdul is there because uh, he mentioned the fact that United might be tired. I forgot they got the game in two days against Leicester City. But surely, surely, Doug, they're just going to play their reserves against Leicester. And they're not. They're going to give up on the title because, you know, City just need one win from three matches. And, you know, they're going to get it. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Um, can you convince me? Doug, can you help? Can you add to what Abdul is saying? And, 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 and we can actually do it on Thursday? I think I think if you look at the way that we played in the um, FA Cup game, we, we were we were right in the match. We were right up for that uh, for that game. Um, 
Yes, I know two wins, you know, in 17 years since, the, you know, 2004 is, is really bad. Um, but, look, you know what? It's been a very strange season. You know, we've we won at Arsenal. I don't think anyone, you know, expected us to, you know, go and, uh, you know, win at Arsenal. So, you know, why not? I think, um, and obviously our last trip to Manchester ended in a 1-1 draw with um, Adam Lalana getting the uh, getting the equaliser um so you know what I, I think i think they'll feel that they should have beaten us last season i think they'll they'll definitely go into that game thinking that you know we can try and uh put a well right a wrong if you, if you know what i mean because i think i think they were probably the better team in that first half um and you know what we we have a bit of a mind block going to going to old trafford but I just feel that we'll we'll have loads of the ball. I think we'll we'll dominate possession, um, and we just have to we just have to watch on the on the on the counter attack um, because they're 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 a very good counter attack inside. Um, you know, Cavani, as we've all said, he's a he's a clinical goal sco- goal scorer. Um, I think he's got eight in his last five um, games, which is which is great for him. Um, so it's, it's quite it's quite ominous. Uh, uh, for sure, but the big news is Harry Maguire did get injured today, um, and it looked like a hamstring. So if it is a hamstring, then I don't think he'll be there for Leicester, and I don't think he'll be there for us. So it'll be a Bay and Lindelof uh, partnership. Now, the last time Eric Bay played against Liverpool um, at Old Trafford, he actually scored an own goal. So I'm hoping that it will be a bit of a disaster class from Eric Bailly. And Victor Lindelof today was absolutely shocking for Manchester United against Aston Villa. So I am very, very confident that we can actually go at their two centre-backs, if it is Bailly and Lindelof. I actually do feel we can get something out of this game. And as Abdul said, it is our Champions League final to, you know... But if we actually go out there and win then top four is well and truly on. It's just those next games after United, it's West Brom away, it's Burnley away, and it's Palace at home. Yes, I know we've beaten Palace 7-0, but against West Brom and Burnley, you know, we've already lost to Burnley, we've already lost to, eh, we've already drawn against them, uh, against West Brom. So it's our chance to put things right. And I am quietly confident that we can get something from Old Trafford and what a way it would be to yes I know obviously City are going to win the league and it's inevitable but wouldn't it be absolutely nice to you know end their uh, end their title hopes uh, but they'll they'll be they'll be on the same wavelength of saying that they'll want to end our top four hopes so um, this game is going to be fantastic I really do hope it does go ahead if it doesn't go ahead then I just don't see where on earth the Premier League will reschedule that game. Um, and you know, we, you know, I don't think people would like to be given three points, but um, I, I, I don't think the Premier League would have any choice. So I'm hoping it goes ahead. I'm quietly confident. I think we can get something. Um, hopefully, a win would be an absolute bonus. And then it's just to going into those final three games. But I am quietly, quietly confident we can get something on Thursday. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, um, thank you very much, Doug. Uh, between you and Abdul, yes, I do feel a lot better that we can get something. I didn't realise Maguire was injured because. Uh, I've got their lineup in front of me. You know the the match that was cancelled because of the protest. Um, you know they they did li- uh, announce their lineup that that evening, and it was uh, Henderson in goal, Wan-Bissaka, Lindelof, Maguire, and Shaw at the back. Then McTominay and Fred uh, in uh, sort of defensive midfield, and then in front of them four attackers: Greenwood, Bruno Fernandez, Pogba, and Rashford. Um, I would imagine that uh, with Bay coming in for Maguire, he'd probably go for the same team, uh, Liam, and 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 he would probably, you know, counter attack uh, as 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 they've done. I mean, they spent five hundred million, and he plays like Big Sam does. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, what hope? Would you give us, uh, Liam? You know, in in this one, I mean, the last five matches against. 
United at Old Trafford, we've won none, we've drawn three and lost two, which is relatively an improvement considering our form there. But uh, how are you feeling about it, Liam? I'm under the impression that I think Abdul said this is the cup final of the final four games and if we don't beat Manchester United, the, the hopes of top four have gone. So... The nerves are there, but again, it's a game with Manchester United, so the nerves are always there. But I don't see any reason why we can't beat them. I think you've you've got to overrun them in that midfield area. I think if you ask Manchester United fans, Fred and McTominay are in what's a, a team that does need work. They are the relatively gaping hole where they probably fear that they can be the most vulnerable especially when they've been crying out for a central defensive midfielder for God knows how long. So I think if we get if we dominate the midfield area with hopefully Thiago doing what he does best, I'd like to see... I, I think Wijnaldum's looked a little bit tired in the last couple of games, despite having that, um, that long layoff with the um, postponement of the this fixture I think he did look tired towards the end against Southampton so maybe some fresh legs in midfield as well a runner someone like a, an Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain or a Curtis Jones in midfield could be a good idea to provide runs and really cause them two problems and then as I say you're going to be a, up against a, a sort of untried centre-back partnership that hasn't played they obviously used to play a lot before Maguire came in but they haven't played again a lot together recently so again if you can get runners from Mane and maybe Curtis Jones, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Jota running at those you've got I think you've got a chance but again we spoke about it earlier United uh, can be very potent in front of goal and they, they, all, they almost seem to take it personally when they're going from behind they've won I think 10 times after going behind this season so Again, the, the sitting on the one goal aspect wouldn't be good enough again. I think you've got to score more than once at United. And when you go off our recent form, us scoring more than one goal at, at United is, um, is a rare, a rarity. So I've got hope that we can beat them. I think if you do dominate, I think... If you, if you dominate the midfield area, that's where the game could be won and lost. So if we do target that as a weak point and we can get Thiago at his best, a runner, I think a runner in midfield is is definitely essential. And hopefully Kabak is at back. I think Reese Williams looks a little bit slow at times. I think his he's all-round game of reading where the ball's going to go and to be at the right place at the right time does need a little bit of work, but it is competent. I just think the one area of his game is he does he does look a little slow when players are running in behind, and Allison saved him a few times last night against Southampton. So, again, if you're thinking of Rashford, Greenwood, Martial, Pogba running in behind him and Phillips, I think a little bit of pace is needed in there. So I'm, I'm praying that Kabak's back for the game, but apparently it was only a minor injury, so... Hopefully we will have Ozan back for that game. So if, as I've said, everything I've mentioned, I feel like I'm waffling a little bit now, but if Kabak's back and we can win the midfield battle and the forwards show that rich vein of form, which hopefully this gives Mane a confidence boost, I think we will win. But I don't want to make any predictions or say we're going to play them off the park because if you look at recent games and obviously the, the track record at Old Trafford, it's, that's going to be easier said than done. No, it's a really good answer. It's a really good answer. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, United, they've, they've won four and drawn one of their last five in the Premier League. Liverpool now have won three and drawn two of the last five, which is pretty amazing to have no losses in five matches. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've just got one more question. I'm going to go in reverse order. Um, so I'm going to go back to you, Liam, on this first 
It's the same question for all of you, because I'm presuming, uh, because you were talking about the midfield battle, uh, Liam, and, and, and overrunning them in midfield, that you wouldn't play all four attackers. So my question to you is, which one are you choosing? I, I'm assuming you're not, as well, that you're not going to drop Sadio Mane. So you've got Mane and Salah on the pitch, but between Bobby or Jota, which one are you picking and why, Liam? Or maybe you're doing something different. I'm of the impression that in this game, someone in spaces between midfield and defence, as I say, talk about packing out that midfield area, could be where the game's won and lost. So if you if you do play Firmino, he'll give you that aspect. But then again, Jota's got the, the upside and the positive that he's going to do a, a lot more running in behind and probably testing the... Um, the pace and fitness of Lindelof and Baye after what could be a, a grueling week for the pair of them. So I think going on fitness, I'm going to side with Jota. But if things don't work out after the the 40, maybe even half time, but towards the 60 minute mark in that area, if you're not seeing a, an obvious lack of fitness from the Manchester United defence and we're not seeing the midfield area one, you're going to have to put Firmino in there and and really hope that he can make an influence off the bench like he did against Southampton. So I'd, I'd start with Jota because of the fact they've got a big week ahead and, again, the, there could be some tired legs going into Thursday night. So I think Jota's ability to run in behind defenders could be a bit or better of an aspect than starting with Firmino from the outset. But again, I wouldn't be opposed to starting Firmino because of his ability to get in those spaces between midfield and defence and wide areas and bring narrow runs in from Mane and Salah. So both are good options, but I wouldn't start the front four. I think you could make the argument for that because you're matching to what they're doing. But I think if you beat them in that midfield area, the rest of it could take care of itself. A very convincing argument, and and um, I wouldn't match them up either because I think uh, you know Fred and McTominay, as limited as they are, they do a pretty good job of uh, you know running around and making blocks and you know causing a nuisance, making a nuisance of themselves. Whereas our our, our midfielders, you know, especially Thiago, as I mentioned before, is not that kind of player. I mean, you know, he's he's elegant, he's silk, and he's not the sort of you know. Uh, stained toilet tissue of uh, McTominay and and the likes. Um, Doug, um, Liam's going for for Jota over Bobby. Would you agree? Um, no, I wouldn't. Um, I think what's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is I think you will see for me you're coming in for Jota. Um, apparently Jota's now not scored in six. You know once. Once a goal comes for Jota, they'll come like London buses. You wait, you you you, you wait all season for one, and then two come at, come at once. I I I just think that's going to be with uh, with Jota. I I think Firmino did enough there um, against Southampton to, uh, to to merit a start for me. Uh, so I think I think it'll be I think it'll be the I think it'll be Allison. I think it'll be um, Trent. I think. I'm not sure Kabak will be will be back. I know it's a minor injury, but apparently he's been playing with an injury for the, like the last three weeks or something. So obviously they'll, they'll have to keep that. Um, but you know, I wouldn't play Reese Williams against Ma- Manchester United. I know he had a I know that uh, you know FA Cup game. I just wouldn't I wouldn't play him. So I reckon we'll probably see Fabinho back at the at the back um, alongside Phillips, and then it'll obviously be Robbo, and then I think it'll be. Uh, Tiago, uh, Tiago, Genie. Um, I, I, I'd like to see Curtis Jones. I really would. I think Curtis Jones merits a merits a start. And I agree with what Liam said. I do think Genie is tired. Um, so you know, obviously the 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 team that came out um, in the postponed one actually had Fabinho, uh, Tiago, and Milner um, playing. Um, so you know what I, I think. I think we'll probably see. Um, I think we'll probably see Fabinho at, at the back, and I think you might need a you might need a Genie Van Eldum, uh, Thiago, uh, and Curtis Jones. I think James Milner. I think Klopp said that it's about a week. I think it's a week. Um, 
that Milner's out for. So uh, that would obviously rule him out of the Manchester United game. He would probably be back for West Brom on the on the Sunday. So I think the front three will be Salamani for Mino and then uh, Jota to come off the bench. I wouldn't play all four of the, four of them because I think you're going to need a you're definitely going to need a striker to you know come off the bench. I think Origi is completely out of favour. Um, so I, I don't think there's any injury there. I just think he's I think he's completely out of favour. So um, yeah, I think I think the front three will be Salamani for Mino, and I do think Jota will will come off uh, come off the bench. Um, you know, if it if it's a tight game, then you could probably see Jota coming on. 60 to 70, 70th minute. But um, for me, it will be Salah, Mane, Firmino, the front three against United. Okay, interesting stuff. Um, Abdul, I mean, we've got, we've got one vote for, for Bobby. We've got one one vote for Jota. Remember, it's Jota and not Jota, because he's not from a Slavic language country. Okay, do bear that in mind, Abdul. Which one are you picking, Bobby or Jota? What, you mean Jota? No, <laughs> uh, um <laughs> I really, uh, I, I want to say Jota, uh, but I also do think that Firmino is really important. And if he is in his best form, um, well, obviously he's not going to be in his best form. He hasn't been in the best form for a while, but even if he's just playing like, um, I mean, he got an assist the other day. So I feel like if he, even if he, he can be a real advantage to us in terms of controlling the match if we play him. But that isn't anything to take away from Jota and what he did, because I thought he was really sparkling against Southampton as well. He had that one little connection with Mane where he like jinked a bit in the box and got a shot off. And that, you know, if he places a shot a little bit better, that's another goal for him there. Um, so I, I would feel like it'd be harsh to drop him. Um, but I also do think that Firmino in this match, big, big match, if we're not going to have Milner, we're not going to have Henderson, we're not going to have Virgil there. I do feel like we need Firmino in there. Um, I think we will probably go with the 4-3-3. Um, the centre-back question is the big one. Um, Reese Williams. You've got you to gotta pray that Kabak is back. Reese Williams hasn't actually put a foot wrong. I don't think he was too bad, but it's just for, you know, United are going to be playing with Cavani, really experienced striker, you know, good movement, good shot taking. He can really cause us problems. Southampton, if they had Ings, I think they would have scored a few of their chances. So um, even though we've got Nat Phillips back, I really do hope that we have Kabak back. And if Kabak isn't back, then I think we will probably drop Fabinho into the defence. And if we do that, then that just makes me a bit fearful about what's going to happen in midfield. But then you've got Thiago, you've got Genie there which is two good, relatively experienced midfielders, we'd probably put in Curtis Jones then, I reckon. Um, so yeah, Curtis Jones, Fabinho at the back, Firmino in the front three. But then you could even, you could, if, if Jürgen is feeling adventurous, you know, if he thinks it's a must-win game, he could go with the four, go with Jota and Firmino, um, and then go Genie and Thiago in midfield, and then... Fabinho at centre-back, if need be. Um, and, you know, all guns blazing. Um, yeah, that is a p- potential option. But, yeah, I, I think most likely we'll see Curtis Jones and then we'll see Fabinho at centre-back and Firmino up front. But, yeah, just just an interesting point that Doug brought up with um, Origi. Like, really, what has happened to Origi? Like, what? where is he? Has he? Is he in a gulag in Siberia? I thought he was injured, but you're saying he's out of favour. Do you do you potentially have any ITK information that you around that? Um, well, I I actually can't remember the last time Origi was in a, in a matchday squad. Um, look, as obvious as obviously he obviously hasn't had a a, a good time of it recently. Um, but I, I just I just think that he's coming to his end. I think. I think there's maybe been a deal struck somewhere that he's he's going to probably go. You could you could potentially see him maybe move to like a Wolves or a um, or a or a Brighton. I, I, I just I just think he's fallen so down the the pecking order that I just I just don't think he's going to be in a uh, a match day squad. Like you you look you look at the bench yesterday, like Ben Woodburn, 
Ben Woodburn's last substitute appearance was Liverpool for Barcelona nil. So that that kind of shows how long he's been out of the out of the out of the you know the first team as well. But yeah, I, I just I just think Origi may have played his last game. Um, we may see him on the final day against Brighton, maybe get a you know a, a, a send off or anything. But no, I, I just I I there's just something in the back of my mind just thinking that I think Origi is out of favour with Klopp. Yeah, it it does seem that way, absolutely. Um, speaking about Reese Williams, uh, to compare Reese Williams to Divock Origi, because we don't often get to do that. Um, Reese Williams, just in terms of minutes played, okay, this season, uh, Reese Williams has played 307 minutes in total in the Premier League, three starts, two substitute appearances, 307 minutes in the Premier League. In the Champions League, because we needed a Reese Williams in, in, in lots of games in the Champions League, he, he, he started three and he came off the bench in three matches and he had a beautiful 333 minutes. So it's all the threes in the Champions League. Three appearances, three substitute appearances, 333 minutes for Reese Williams. In that time, he's averaging 0.7 tackles per game and 0.7, sorry, 0.6 tackles per game and 0.7 interceptions per, per game. And that's something that uh, Liam mentioned earlier, he could definitely, he needs to work on his his reading of the game at the elite level in order to really stake a claim, um, as well as his pace as well, that's, that's a bit lacking. But then he is the seventh choice centre-back, so we won't be too harsh on him. So in total, he's played 640 minutes this season, Reese Williams. Divock Origi has only played 393 minutes and that's including an international friendly for Belgium and um, a substitute appearance in a, at a Liverpool friendly in pre-season. Um, so in all season, including the friendlies, 393 minutes. Um, he scored uh, in. He scored off the bench in the friendly, and he scored one goal in the League Cup, uh, and he scored two goals. That's it. I mean, that's it. Those two goals are that's it for 393 minutes. Um, he's also had one assist in the Champions League. He played three. He had three starts and one substitute appearance in the Champions League. He got one assist, um, and in the Premier League, two two starts, seven substitute appearances. Only a hundred and eighty-two minutes in the Premier League this season. So yeah, I mean, he he hasn't been injured a lot, but he hasn't been picked a lot because I guess. I don't know. Klopp feels that the his his time, you know, his the bird has flown the nest. Um, but we still love Divock, and we hope that he comes on and scores in the ninety seventh minute to win after after a mistake by either De Gea or Dean Henderson, whatever. Uh, Ole continues uh, to choose in goal. Um, so. I want to thank you because that's the, that's all we've got time for. I've got to make some dinner and then I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try and watch a Ren against PSG tonight. Um, thank you so much to everybody. Thank you to Abdul and Doug and Liam. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. I do feel a bit more confident against United. And as you say, it is the final, uh, the final of finals. So let's uh, let's bring it to them. And you never know. I mean, we can... We can come away with a, a glorious, glorious win. But thank you so much, everybody. Absolutely.